Welcome to episode 36 of Super States, Practices of Transformation with me, your host, Joshua Peters. Super States explores the connection between trance states and personal or professional development. And in every episode, we talk to world-class experts, industry leaders, revolutionary thinkers, who all share the latest information, the different tools that they have, and their own personal stories that are there to inspire us on our journeys. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, to your favorite podcast host, or you can subscribe on YouTube so you can stay up to date with new episodes. If you enjoy this show, if it gives you any value at all, please give me a five-star review. That's the best way to help the show grow. This week, I speak with Strider John Peterson. Strider John is a coach who focuses on relationships and helping people achieve more authentic and fulfilling connections. He is on a mission to help men uncover their sacred masculine. So here we go, exploring the sacred masculine and feminine with Strider John Peterson. Welcome to Super States. I am here with Strider John Peterson. Strider, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joshua. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk to you today. Yeah, fantastic. I'm, I'm excited to hear from you today. Strider, describe to us what you do and how that makes an impact on people's lives. So I define myself as a relationship coach and a erotic authenticity artist and guide. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, um, I primarily work in the space of, uh, uh, of men's work and working with them to better understand uh, the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine as it works within them, within their own bodies, and also how it works interpersonally. Uh, ultimately, my goal is I want people to get along better. Uh, I, I think that there's a crisis of erotic rapport uh, between men and women in this day and age. Uh, women think, or they tell me that, uh, that, that men are out of touch with their emotions or, or unexpressive. And men think that women are unpredictable and all over the place emotionally. So we're talking past each other. And uh, I, I, I believe that the answer to that comes from a better understanding of, uh, of, uh, of the, the, the higher level uh, energetic activity of the masculine feminine as it works within us, not just as defined by biology, but kind of in a higher spiritual plane. And I, I want to make very clear that this is this work is not in opposition to the women's movement. This is this mm -hmm. is a a supportive type of work. And uh so I I think that's real important for for your listeners to know. Yeah. Uh and I and I wouldn't be working in that in that realm if that were the case. Great. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. And, but first, <laughs> before I start to kind of go into what you just described, because I'm, I'm really curious about a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Tell us how you got here. Like what, what is the transformation that you've gone through that brought you to this place? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a child of the sixties and seventies. I'm, uh, as we're speaking to you, I'm 62 years old 
And uh, I was raised at a pretty nice uh, upbringing. Um, the women's movement was coming out of the, the shadows when I was coming of age. And it was embraced by my mom and my sisters. And uh, I don't, my, my dad, maybe to a lesser degree, he wasn't, I mean, he was supportive, but he really didn't quite know because he wasn't really great communicator on that level. Um, so I was given messages that the, that masculine energy was something to be feared. Uh, there wasn't really a role and, and it was, it was kind of an either or either there was the, the kind of the traditional, the, the leave it to be household role of the male uh, as the, as the one and only breadwinner um, and the head of the family. Uh, and that was being challenged by the women's movement. So what we did not have at that time was a really good understanding of how men can be supportive of that role. So you ended up with two types of, uh, of, of uh, uh, tracks, basically, how men were raised. And I was raised in the soft male track. Uh, I was given lessons that my role was to diminish my masculinity and to allow women to to step into roles that had been denied them. And uh, the alternative could have been a, a, uh, a confrontational role uh, against the women's movement. And I did not choose that, fortunately. I think that's a, a, a dead end road. So uh, so that was kind of the, the basis of where I came from when I entered into adulthood. And that won me a lot of female friends it didn't win me a lot of romantic partners, uh, and I was kind of confused by that. I think many men who would, who go that route are baffled that uh, all their women friends uh, are, are are not interested in going being romantic with them. So, well, I eventually uh, found my mate, and I was married for twenty seven years, and raised two kids, and. Um, the uh, the relationship ended in a very painful and expensive divorce, and my um, as I look back over the aftermath of that failed relationship, although I I don't I I don't want to call it a failed relationship. It was uh, we we accomplished a lot of good things and we had a lot of fun together and we we had some wonderful times and we learned a lot to get uh, together. So. Uh, as I look back, I think that uh, the 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 lack of a true understanding of my role as a masculine, as a male in my family, uh, really affected. It affected my my wife. It affected my relationship with uh, with myself as well. And it, uh, I, I I wasn't really I was never really confident in my role uh, because I didn't really understand that higher level uh, of masculinity, as I believe, uh, uh, I think there's a, uh, a, not a very good understanding of the sacred feminine that was working in my wife as well. So um, the, my split was about seven years ago, and uh, it was accompanied by relocation out to California. And I been really, I had been most of my adult life. I've been on a path of personal growth and personal exploration, 
and it wound me through different routes. I mean, I, I, I my my undergraduate degree was in uh, was in was in agriculture and botany, uh, but I pivoted away from that and went into photography because I was interested in the arts and the chemistry and the and and the uh, the impact that that uh, that uh, editorial photography can have on the world. All these things were spinning in my head. I eventually settled into a role as a medical photographer. I worked in ophthalmology for 28 years and uh, working in the diagnostic imaging department. And I had, uh, so I was doing direct patient care and working in the battle to to fight blindness and, and vision loss, which I think is a very noble battle. It was a very, uh, really great profession for me. I never took work home and I had my weekends off. So that was great. Uh, beats the heck out of freelance photography where there's too much work and not enough money. Uh, my Where I am right now is uh, I retired from that position in September and I'm pulling together all of these different interests into a, I'm hoping is a cohesive uh, 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 thrust in my, in my coaching work. And I settled into working with men uh, simply because of my own experience. Uh, when I talk to men and women, I hear a lot of the same patterns that were active in my relationship and in me uh, due to a number of factors. Uh, I, I think we, uh, our society has dropped the ball on initiatory practice and rites of passage for for all young people uh but my own experiences as a man uh is in, is uh, indicative of a, of a of a real tragic loss uh i think we 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 have many of the world's problems are due to that fact that we don't the elders no longer take the young men and teach them how to transition from boyhood into manhood and and there, there are other other problems. I think we uh, our society suppresses people's uh, exploration of, of of taboo spaces, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a uh, a lot of limitation of self expression. This happening it creates a lot of unhappiness. Uh, I, we see that in fundamentalist uh, religious practice and societies that people have a very difficult time breaking out of, and adding this all up to uh, with together with a poor understanding generally of how male and female energies yin and yang work within our bodies and between people is uh is is a very rich area to explore and uh well that's where i hope to uh engage in right livelihood Mm -hmm. um i have a uh, my, my dad was a, uh, was a Jungian psychotherapist. So I've known about Carl Jung since I was eight years old. Uh, my, my dad actually moved our whole family over to Switzerland when he was studying. So that was a big life wow. event for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I spent three years in a, uh, in a small Swiss school. They gave me two weeks of German class and said, here kid, go learn. And, <laughs> Uh, one of my first experiences of being thrown into the deep end and mm-hmm. uh, uh, topic for another day, I guess. 
So uh, I have a number of different practices. You could also think of them as, if you draw them out as Venn diagrams, that they overlap in a kind of a confusing pattern. I mean, uh, uh, I practice Aikido, a Japanese uh, martial art, and I'm uh, I'm preparing for my black belt exam, which would, which will probably be in the in mid year 2024. Uh, I am a drummer. I'm a I, do I, I play hand percussion, and I've been involved in a lot of ritual drumming, rites of passage through my pagan community. Mm-hmm. And uh, my men's work is really important to me. I, I, I've uh, involved with the Mankind Project. Um, a little plug for them. They have a wonderful podcast, by the way. And also exploring plant medicine and uh, Kundalini yoga. So, uh, and um, I, I'm also. Uh, putting together a book project. So that's kind of where I came from yeah. and where I'm at today uh, in, and I, and I hope as concise a method as possible right, for, your, you. <laughs> for your listeners to understand. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's, it, I, I'm sometimes confused myself. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, where I, I'm coming from I, and where I'm going. I, I totally resonate with that. Like, one of the things that I notice a lot with coaches is we tend to start working with who we were a few years ago. And it's just, it's a very natural fit because we've been through it and we can help. Right. Uh, Right. And I, I, yeah. So let me, I can add to that. And and so uh, a few years ago, I, I felt a calling to hire my own coach just to give me some ideas about my path forward. And it wasn't long into that process when he said, you know, you, I'm learning as much from you as you're learning from me. And I, I think you could be good at this. So I pursued certification and, and kind of went down an all purpose coaching route, uh, that, uh, that seemed satisfying, although it didn't seem specific enough. And I, I needed to do, uh, I, I, it was felt important to me to really work, uh, embrace the things that, that, turn me on, that light me up, that I've just described, and integrate that into my practice. Uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't seem right, for example, that uh, the, 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 the initial coaching that I was doing, uh, I was encouraged, don't talk about kink and BDSM with people. You'll turn them off. You'll scare them away. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't, didn't quite sit with me. I would rather find those people that really want to know about that stuff and use yeah. my personal experience with it to act as a guide. And that's why I, I use the, the, the term erotic authenticity guide, because uh, I feel I'm in a position where I can help people to explore these areas and bring them back safely without doing damage to themselves or their relationships. Mm-hmm. So, so you kind of listed, uh, quite a few interests from Aikido to drumming, neo-paganism, uh, mm-hmm. writing, uh, uh, yoga, uh, plant medicines, BDSM. Like what's the, if this is a Venn diagram, what's in the center of all of that for you? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, as, as a practice goes, for example, I, I don't see myself as coaching people in BDSM practice. 
uh, I think that that's that's kind of a maybe it's a it's a it's a it's a hobby Venn diagram that's close because especially when we talk about uh, super states, trans states, mm-hmm. there are definitely uh, yeah. overlapping energies there that are fascinating, and they have been fascinating for me to explore. Um, I, I, I'm not in a position to be teaching Aikido yet, although that's a dream of mine. Uh, I, I, I love working with beginning students uh, because I think that art form substantially and radically alters your approach to how you move in space. Mm-hmm. And that's been a real gift to me. I think that, uh, I, and I, I don't see myself as a, as a direct teacher of yoga. However, there's breath work in the, in the Kundalini work that it could be integrated into my practice. I do see plant medicine as a, uh, as a, as occupying the center for that. Uh, I'm working on some in, uh, in some integration training uh, so that I can be a the type of person who can guide people in to those experiences and and then integrate on the way out so they can become uh, achieve wholeness within themselves and also uh, within their community as they as they turn back out. Um, so so in the center, really, I think is is my fascination with with the the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine mm-hmm. uh archetype work for, from uh my experience with or my my uh, awareness of carl jung's work for most of my life which incidentally um i was not always open to because my dad had a tendency to, to want to bring these things up at the dinner table when we all wanted to talk about, you know, what's on TV and, and the mundane things of our lives. And, and, and he was so into this stuff that he was trying to tell his, you know, preteen kids, you know, to record their dreams and things like that. And we just didn't want to hear it. Now, my dad has been, he passed five years ago and I, I, it's really been interesting that, that how it, this this material has worked through my subconscious. Mm. It, it's it's kind of welled back up, uh, and I got to tip my hat to Dad. Uh, he was very consistent all his life that that he uh, that that the work that Jung's work was really powerful and really important. And I, I, I see. I think he's. Jung is really enjoying a bit of a renaissance now. Mm-hmm. Um, some some of your listeners may not know that Jung was a was a, a student of Carl of, of, of Sigmund Freud's, mm-hmm. uh, and they eventually parted company on a on a on a on a variety of of issues that's that's beyond the scope of this conversation. But uh, I, I I love the, uh, the the connection to myth and mythology that Jung talked about. And I think the understanding archetypes is a, is a really, uh, it's a really helpful tool to just get through life. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's one of the classes that I teach is a, is a, is a class on, uh, on a male archetypes that, that, uh, that, that represent gifts that the sacred masculine offers to the sacred feminine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I think it all kind of crystallizes and and, and embodies itself 
in in this in in the work with the, the relationship work, and yeah. I borrow. I borrow from here and I borrow from there and I'm, and I'm informed by this. I'm informed by that. Um, so that's, uh, that's, yeah. And I, the, the, the Venn diagram uh, model works for me because I, I, I see that as also shifting Yeah, because you can move those circles around. Right. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if, so say somebody was working with you in your context as a erotic authenticity guide, what is the, what would their, what would that journey look like for them? The, the, the journey would begin in, in the realm of the all purpose coaching that, that I described before. Um, I, 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 I think I, I, I work, uh, very much in the area of uh, encouraging people to adopt a meditation practice. I think if people journal regularly, uh, that's a tremendous boon to them. I also would work really, uh, uh, put a lot of energy into the work of people's self-talk. Mm -hmm. Do they, do they, what, what kind of stories do they tell themselves? What kind of conversations go on in their heads? Now, and I, and I speak from personal experience that uh, I thought when I entered into my coaching as a, as a, you know, as a client, I had always perceived myself as a very positive person. However, once we dug into that work, I realized how much negativity I had kind of on, on, on loop, on a looping uh, real. And it shocked me because a, it blew apart my, an assumption about myself, a central assumption and B it put in front of me in bold letters that, uh, that I had been unconsciously working against myself. Yeah. So, so when people work with me, I talk about meditate, journal, talk about your, get your, 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 your thoughts, your mindset, right. Uh, and that can do with affirmations, uh, also affirmations, which I really like too, which are a way of, uh, it, it's, it's kind of, instead of saying, um, an affirmation might be that, uh, that I, I have a great relationship with money and money flows beautifully. An affirmation would be something akin to why am I so, uh, why does money come to me so easily, right? It's taking a step beyond that. So, uh, and so that's at the core. And the other thing is I, I work with, um, I want people to really look at their at nutrition and diet mm -hmm. and look at their sleep, look at their, their, their hydration uh, so in, in other words, you, you got to do the base work first, right? I mean, get, get, a, get a practice in place, journaling, meditation, get your mindset right, eat right, sleep right, hydrate right, exercise right. Now we can start to dig into the deep stuff. And that's mm -hmm. fairly personal. Uh, I, uh, in, in my discovery process with my clients, I go through, I, I, I ask them 
you know, what do you do? What turns you on? What, what, uh, uh, what areas are you active in? And at some point, a question something like this will be asked by me, which is, what are you afraid to talk to me about? Sure. Uh, what, yeah. What do you not want me to know about you? And that, that could be a two by four over the forehead for some people. Uh, and people will answer that question eventually because we've hopefully by this time built up a, a level of trust where, where they can feel free to, to uh, express a particular taboo area that they've been curious about. Um, it could be, I see, you know, I saw Michael Pollan's documentary on how to change your mind and how I really want to try mushrooms, but I don't know where, I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And if I told my parents about it, or if I told my wife about it, uh, or I told my kids about it, uh, I fear the repercussions. Mm -hmm. And those are real, those are real repercussions. Or, or maybe somebody saying, uh, I'm, I'm curious about uh, ethical non-monogamy and polyamory. Uh, how do I share this with my partner? That was a big hiccup, major hiccup for me in my relationship. So, and, and just another example uh, for, for the, you know, many people grow up in, in communities that uh, that are based on a, a very strong religious belief. Uh, and they may feel stifled by that and they want out or they want at least be able to look beyond the veil. Okay. Or look, or, or just look what's on the other side of that door. Uh, so those are the conversations that take place. And from then on, it becomes a, a custom practice. It becomes a, 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 a customized relationship between coach and client that my, and I trust that that can be very fruitful. Um, but it, it starts with the all purpose work. And so what I'm hearing is you've got to have your foundation set first, kind of in all these different areas of your life before you really jump into this, this deeper work of what are those, what are those kind of scary things that you're not talking about? Yeah. The, the, the scary juicy spaces. And, and you can also say that uh, it, it starts before that because I also screen for depression and anxiety. Uh, coaching is at its most effective with people who are in fairly good working order. Sure. Right. Uh, um, you know, we, the, the overlap between coaching and therapy is it's a gray zone mm -hmm. and I'm, I try to be very careful not to intrude into an area in which I'm not trained and not qualified to work. Yeah. And that is in the area of the licensed psychotherapy. Uh, I think it's a handy shorthand to consider therapy work primarily past directed, 
you know, what brought you here? What, what, what challenge did you have? And, and let's get you feeling good today. Yeah. Coaching in my understanding is about, let's see where you're at today and where you want to be. Where do you want to get to and allow, let, let's plot out that road. Let's plot and let's make a plan for how you're going to get there to achieve your ultimate happiness. And the, the, tra- the clients that I'm hoping to attract are ones that see, uh, that feel themselves being held back by powers of self-falsification, uh, taboos that are sitting on them very heavily that they can't explore or, or misunderstandings about their role. Uh, you know, young fathers, for example, who suddenly feel that, what what is my role here? What is my uh, beyond being you know just helping out wherever I can? There's got to be something bigger to this because there's this when when children arrive, uh, it's it's this fantastically opening and spiritually rich experience for mother and child, and it can be the same for men but it doesn't come through their biology as much. It doesn't come th- and, and, and it, it traditionally has come through societies who have supported that. And I, I think that's lacking in where we are today. Uh, so yeah, that's a little off the topic, but, but you, the, the, the point being that there's a baseline that's, re- that's important for people, right? The, the, first of all, let's establish that, what your problem or what you, the issues you want to work on can be handled by a coach and are not best handled in the domain of psychotherapy. Uh, And, but once we've established that, then we can establish a new, a fresh baseline, which is the, the the all purpose work. The, the the things that I I think would benefit everyone. Everyone would benefit from a meditation practice. I think everyone would benefit from a journaling practice. Everyone would benefit from better sleep and nutrition and exercise and hydration. Let's all do that. Mm -hmm. If we all quit right there, (laughs) we'd we'd all be better off. Right. Uh, But we know we're not, you know? And so, yeah, just getting people to get, you know, to take sweetened carbonated beverages out of their diet for the rest of their lives if you can do that, <laughs> that's a win, right? Yeah. Exactly. You're going to live longer and happier. Yeah. I, I want to come back to this idea of uh, the crisis of erotic rapport that you talked about. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, but I also wanted to pair it with something else that you mentioned. So give us an example of how you use an archetype to help uh, a man deal with that crisis. Mm. Ooh, that's a juicy question. Um, I have to pick one because I just finished a workshop that was, works with seven of them. Yeah. Uh, you could list the seven if you'd like, but just- well, I will. And, 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 and I, I can't take full credit for them. I mean, I'm actually give a tip of the hat to Karen Brody, who wrote a, wrote a wonderful book called open her. You're nodding. Uh, you're familiar yep. with it. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, that relates her personal experience as both a woman in the dating scene and as a coach for men. And she lists the uh, an artist archetype, a poet, a director, a warrior, a sage, a dark knight, 
and a lover. And this, for her, it's a trajectory. It's a, it's a, it, uh, it, it goes from, it goes from simple to complicated. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I read that and I said, wow, this, this is a workshop. This is, this, this needs to, this needs to be brought out into the world. And with her blessing, I, I put together a class that just finished up. We just did the first uh, series last week, and I'm I'm encouraged to to continue that. So, and, and you and I will talk about it at the end, and that'll be in the in my list of links at the end. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so let's pick one. Um, let's let's pick the poet. So, the poet's gift is one of expression of his uh, his ability to. Uh, to express his love for his for the object of his desire and this uh, this can lacking that um, a a woman can feel as if she's uh, she doesn't receive as many affirmations of her of love from her partner and what the poet does not only is he and i'm speaking archetypally here okay mm -hmm. this is a this is a um kind of a characterization of a, of certain behaviors but we put a label on them for it's kind of a shorthand uh his gift is can be really flowery language beautiful language it also and i think more practically has to do with a frequency and a uh, an intensity of expression. It can be the daily, I love you, spoken from the heart, not just the words. It can be uh, compliments coming out of the blue, right? Uh, not just, and, and specific to her. That's really important. Uh, that, that recognizing something that she has done that you really love mm -hmm. uh, an area of, the, of an area of her personal growth um a certain quality that she has something that lights you up i mean uh, you know honey whenever i hear you laugh i just get chills running up my spine because it makes me so happy yeah. um and so yeah a a a a, a habit of compliments I've found is, is, is another thing. I, I, and I, and I weave that into my coaching too, because boy, giving people sincere compliments is, is one of the best examples of a win-win that I know of because it makes you feel great and it makes the other person feel fantastic. And I, and I, uh, try it in the workplace folks, honestly. And, and uh, make sure it's real because there is always something to appreciate about people. So, so anyway, this poet archetype has this great uh, ability to to prove and reprove again and again to his partner why he chose her, why he's with her, and why he celebrates her. Right, meeting you was the best day of my life, and I'm I'm in and finding ways to, to make that real. And then, and what men often miss is that 
the the nature of yin, the nature of female energy, and how it lives in the body of a woman is of constant change. And this is true neurochemically because any menstruating woman woman has a uh, has an ebb and flow of certain hormones that change her outlook on a on a on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, and when and men often don't understand that. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a rich lesson for men to be aware of the fact that because you said I love you on a Tuesday to your partner does not cover you until the following Tuesday. <laughs> it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's it's a it's a never ending process, and if you think that's tedious, well, I've got news for you. What's really tedious is to live in the presence of a woman who does not feel chosen and celebrated, right? Uh, and contrast that with the splendor of being in the presence of a woman who feels comfortable and at peace and uh, and supported yeah. by you. So, so yeah. So I think that the the, the, the that that poet archetype lives is very close to the surface actually in uh in 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 relationships so uh yeah i think that would be one of the, that's low hanging fruit to me yeah yeah that's um uh, it's something that so two things this idea of um coaching that you kind of mentioned i think of this as there's two ways to make changes for people fixing a problem and then getting better at something that you want mm -hmm. to get better at. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's what exactly kind of what you're talking about here. You've got a, a relationship and why not feed it? Why not amplify by putting in maybe like I've heard it described as like deposits, right? Deposits into mm -hmm. the relationship bank account of, yeah. Um, but not like a checkbook. Or Kind of well, a, a or woman. or maybe this is a little more uh, uh, accurate. Is that it's a living, breathing being, mm. right? Your relationship is a is a it has a life force of its own, and you you wouldn't get a dog and and feed it once a week. You know, you, you wouldn't get you know you wouldn't do that with any other living breathing. You know, you wouldn't get a house plant and water it once a year. Uh, they require care and they require uh, attention. Mm -hmm. And so thinking of, and, and, and yes, you know, you're with a, you're with a living, breathing female partner here. Right. And, and by the way, this also works across the genders too. I'm, I, as a heterosexual male, I, 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 I come from that perspective. But these energies exist in all people, in in in, in non-binary folks, and people in in in, in LGBTQ world. It, it just has different energies that I'm not qualified to speak about, honestly. Uh, so I just want to say that uh, there there's 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 gold to be mined in these mm -hmm. topics for everyone, for all people. But I, I just for, for purpose of brevity, I, 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 I distill it down to, you know, the traditional male, female 
uh, relationship. So uh, anyway, yeah, feeding feeding that relationship as if it's a living, breathing being, and something that I that I honestly that I failed to do adequately in in my in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that we lasted 27 years is a testament that there was true love. There was genuine love and, 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 uh, and affection. Uh, but it gradually sort of withered on the vine. Sure. Uh, and due in many parts to, we could have used way more poet archetype in our, in our <laughs> relationship. And I, and I put, honestly, guys, I put this, I put this on you because uh, women have done their work, you know, not that they're done, right? This is ongoing work, but uh, women women have stepped forward and they have laid claim to things that have been denied them. And uh, congratulations to them. Now it's up to the men to to step forward and uh, and discover the areas where we uniquely are uniquely qualified to 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 share our gifts and share our power for the benefit of everyone. Yeah, I, I like the the rising together idea. Exactly. This is what not a competition. S- no, for sure. What would you say is most misunderstood about men's work? Uh, that it's that it's not pickup culture. Mm. Like people uh, think it's pickup culture. Some might, I, I, you know, I, I can't, uh, speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself. Uh, I often experience when I talk about men's work with women, uh, I think there's a natural apprehension that wells up in the feminine soul, uh, concerns of fears about whenever men get together on their own. What does that mean? What are they planning? What are they doing? Okay. Uh, so, so giving giving reassurances that this is this is uh, this work is for the greater good is very important. So, I, I hope to be dispelling some of that fear. Uh, the Mankind Project that I'm intimately involved with. Uh, arose in the mid eighties in Milwaukee as a direct response and a thumbs up response to the women's movement. Uh, three men of varying backgrounds, one of them, a feminist psychologist said to themselves, we need to do that for guys too. We need, we need something that that's, that's replacing the lack of initiatory culture. Uh, we we need to do this. Uh, so they um, worked out a number of different programs, and what it's ultimately settled into is the uh, the New Warrior Training Adventure, which is which is the the, the, the flagship program for for Mankind Project. And uh, so uh, it has nothing to do with with scoring babes. It's got nothing to do with notches on the bedpost. It has everything to do with understanding uh, the the immense power and benevolence that 
is in the hearts of good men and is also in the hearts of a many misguided men uh, that that needs to be brought out. So uh, I've I've been um, overwhelmed by some of the 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 work that I've witnessed um, that I've that's been that's happened in my own heart in my own body and also that I witnessed other men going through um, in a in a in a, in a safe and and confidential container. So if, if that, and fortunately, I don't see a huge amount of mistrust from the women that I tell this about, mostly because they know me and they know, they, they know where I'm coming from. Uh, yet uh, there is this little bit of baseline fear that, that what we're really trying to do is come up with strategies for dominating women. And, and I can I can assure you that that is totally off the table mm-hmm. in this work. Uh, you know, these are these are men who want to do right by their partners. They want to do right by their kids. Uh, they want to do right in their jobs and in society. Yeah. And the the headwinds can be pretty strong. Uh, but boy, when when you when you have when when men striving for that kind of ideal get together, then real magic can can happen. Yeah, yeah. So, say there's somebody that's really curious about this idea of uh, erotic authenticity. Mm-hmm. Is there is there any kind of um, is there anything they need to maybe be aware of or be cautious about as they do this? Well, I think a lot of the caution comes is is uh, is put upon them by society. Um, I think it's more likely that people need to be encouraged to to explore yeah. and 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 not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it if the the. One of the, 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 and I have a personal definition for erotic authenticity. And uh, so when you think about, and the word erotic comes from Eros, the Greek god of love, which I see as an archetype for life energy. So what, if I were to distill erotic authenticity into a longer phrase, it would be more like achieving a degree of honesty with yourself about the energies that, that work that are active in your life. Yeah. Uh, that you know you can't turn off. Uh, and Jung talked about that. He talked about suppressing uh, uh, th- that, that desires, if pressed upon by whatever force, and I'm just gonna put, I'm just gonna put it on society mm-hmm. <laughs> for now, uh, <laughs> And it's akin to taking a beach ball and trying to hold it underwater. Mm-hmm. And the farther underwater you hold it, it's the more violently it pops out. Eventually, you can't hold it under. And and and, and in my dad's practice, he used to talk about uh, people who, generally, as I can say, people who had uh, issues in their lives. Uh, 
problems at work, problems in the relationships, problems with their kids that had nothing to do with the job, that had nothing to do with the kid, that had nothing to do with the wife. They, they, were, they were from from some deep, dark place in their past that, uh, and he used dream work to, to get to the core of that. And so uh, that is not exactly my work, uh, but it's, it's still a, a, an amazingly rich area to explore. And it, it may be the, a good path for someone is to work with in that, in, in that, uh, in that path. Yeah. Right. The, um, and, and dream work can be, be a pretty rich study in its own. So, um, yeah, being honest with ourselves about the life energy that, that bubbles inside of us and being aware of the fact that the more you suppress, the more violently these things are going to kind of pop yeah. back up on you. Yeah. That's, that resonates with me too. Like there has been times in my life where the direction was clear, but I would ignore it. And eventually, it seems like eventually the universe kind of gives you the message a little stronger next time. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you've experienced that as well, I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, another effing learning opportunity, right? <laughs> That's right. Thank you, universe, I think, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a, the universe is a trickster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it speaks in, in symbolic ways. There are very few direct lines in, in, in uh, you know, in, in, the, in the, the way the universe works. It works around corners. It works mm -hmm. in, in, in odd and beautiful ways. And that's, I often talk about embracing the full catastrophe yeah. of life, mm -hmm. uh, which is incidentally, and it's very interesting book. Uh, the author's name escapes me at the moment, but it's, uh, it's a good read. And it just talks about kind of approaching life's like, Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and, and also humbling us to the point that we, still appreciating our divinity, right? I mean, we're, we're important, right? We're here for a reason. And also the same time realizing, well, you know, we're all stardust. Uh, eventually, you know, the sun's going to supernova or whatever, and we're going to go back to floating around in the universe as little particles of something. Mm -hmm. And it, we have no control over that. We're just, we, the things we do control are right now, right here. I control this very moment right now. That's all I can do. And my past is in the past. That's gone. It informs me. It educates me. It instructs me. But I have no more control of it. So, and that's why I like the, the coaching model because it's, it is, okay, the past is past. You do nothing about it. Let's look ahead. Let's look at this moment. What can I do now that's going to influence a better future that I have a, that I have a better, uh, buffet of choices ahead of me in the, in the, in, in the years to come in the days to come. And I think that's a, I, I feel that's a very optimistic approach to life. Yeah. Uh, and 
when I'm able to really sit into that, that understanding, I find wonderful things happen. Wonderful things just kind of flow my way. Um, and I know you've had previous guests on this that have gone into that more deeply than I am here. Yet I, I, I listened with great interest because, uh, it's real, you know, it's, um, it's really great stuff and it and it and it we don't have to live in despair uh we can we can we can see our choices as being uh uh as as being uh precursors to to the way our future unfolds um with the understanding that that trickster universe is always out there yes <laughs> ready ready to throw water balloons in you know and 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 at, at the weirdest times and and it helps to be ready for it because it's going to happen and it's going to remind you whether you're on the right path or not yeah so I, yeah i think that's a an excellent frame uh strider how can people learn more about you if they're if they're curious striderjohnpeterson.com uh, I also, um, am on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn. We'll put those links in there. And I also offer, uh, a series of free classes that I've listed on, uh, they're on meetup. Um, my meetup group is called men who love women. Pretty simple, oh. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause it's true. And, uh, so, uh, and just off the top of my head, I, I'm, I'm, I do the seven archetypes classes, a series, the seven, uh, those archetypes that I talked about earlier in the, in the, in the interview. And there's one on erotic authenticity. I teach a class on masculine containment. Mm-hmm. It talks about how yang energy, male energy can create safe spaces so that yin energy can thrive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful topic. And uh, I, I also, because I, worked in healthcare for so long. I, I also am running a class on uh, helping healthcare professionals um, uh, conquer burnout. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very, very rich area. And uh, the, the last one, oh yes, this is very important. I, I also um, am starting a class for, uh, for new and expecting fathers as a as a uh a support group for them um all these things that i wish i had had when i was yeah. a new dad community um guidance mentorship uh that's the goal so uh yeah so i a lot of opportunities to stay in touch i will make sure to put links to those different uh locations in the show notes as well Wonderful. What, what's the one, uh, the one thing that you want the, these listeners to leave with today? So this is a quote from Morihai Ueshiba, who is the founder of Aikido, who is a very fascinating man, um, passed away in 1969, but left us with a legacy of this incredible art of peace. And his words were often kind of opaque, but this is about as clear as he ever got, which is always practice in the spirit of joy. 
Mm. No matter what you're doing, bring joy to it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today, Strider John. It's been great, Joshua. <laughs>